welcome to the Blue and White Brothers, the podcast all about Penn State football. Conversation and commentary from a fan perspective. I'm Tom Gathman. And I'm Andy Gathman. And we are the, the Blue, Blue and, and White, White Brothers. Brothers. Two brothers. Two takes. One team. Hey there, everyone. Uh, Andy Gathman here with my brother Tom Gathman. And we are still here. And uh, we're glad you are, too. Uh, this was a hard one. Um, and we're at a turning point, I think. Uh, you know, it took a lot uh, for Tom and I to, to, to pull it together to have this episode today. And if you're listening, it may have taken a lot uh, for you to, to take the risk. So we're glad you're, you're in it with us. Let's just uh, put it this way, Andy. We can be, the fans can be, <laughs> the listeners can be glad they don't read the text stream between you and I d- <laughs> during the last three games Penn State has played because it hasn't been good. It hasn't been very good. It's, there's not been a lot of mirth, mm, mirth. in our in our exchanges. That's a nice there. word, mirth. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> could you could you care to d- define it for me? I don't have mirth, my Webster's. Uh, you know, uh, whimsical, joy-filled... <laughs> response to good circumstances. Why don't we just say whimsical, joy-filled responses to the circumstances? <laughs> Seems a little easier than saying mirth. <laughs> mirth. Oh, okay. All right. So uh, we are- <laughs> Not de- a lot of mirth. We are Look, devoid uh, well, of mirth. <laughs> yeah. So r- before we get into everything we're going to get into, want to let you listeners know that we are not going to do a Nebraska look ahead today. We just don't have it in us. Um, we're going to really talk uh, not so much even about Maryland- uh, but really where we are as a Penn State football team right now. And we're going to try to to get through it, to talk through it, to figure out, you know, how we want to feel about this team and, and what we might need to, to you know, need to see yeah, going Where to ahead. begin? Where to begin? Right. So we're going to try to dig into that. Um, we're not going to talk about Nebraska. We're going to give you, you know, this team needs a change, and Tom and I are also going to make a change in our format, at least for this week. We're going to give you a second episode this week, later in the week, to do the Nebraska look ahead. Um, so today, it's just all about Maryland and the season up to this point. And Tom, uh, we are an 0-3 football team. What do you have to say about that? Well... We just said we're not going to look ahead in Nebraska, but uh, they're <laughs> they're 0-2. Making and, a liar out of me. And, and if you would have told, you know, fans of Nebraska and Penn State back in like the 70s, 80s, or even 90s, that you'd have two winless programs going head-to-head in the third, fourth, excuse me, the fourth week of, of the Big Ten season, you'd have two winless programs going head-to-head. They would have called you crazy, and they would have well, called you a heck, liar. If you had <laughs> told the fan bases at the beginning of this season, that they would have called you crazy. Because oh, I know, I know. I feel like you could I mean, believe it more for Nebraska, though, because they've been in. You <laughs> well, know, like ask a ask a Nebraska fan if they right, feel that way. Right. But in any case, I mean, it was excruciating. Well, for Nebraska, to watch that it's game. definitely like Groundhog Day. Why are we talking day. about Nebraska? Well, because it doesn't like. Uh, be, I don't know. I'm trying Dude, to feel better you're, about you're myself. I'm, issue. Okay, I'm trying to feel better about it. It's it's been tough. It's been a, a roller coaster of emotions with how like you just you're trying to like where does the blame go? And like it's almost like there's not one thing to put blame upon. No, it's just this endless cycle uh, and interconnected network of of bad things. Yeah. And uh, but like I was saying, it was really it was excruciating. It was it was hard. I mean, I. I 
Honestly, if it weren't for this podcast, I probably would have turned the game off multiple times. It was just, and and like the experience for me, and here's going to be the theme for the day, I think. Uh, The experience for me was like watching the movie Groundhog Day. Yeah. Which, by the way, one of my favorite movies. (laughs) Yeah, Bill Murray. Bill Murray. The best. uh, You know, but like, you know... and and not to pick on Sean Clifford because you know he's a twenty-something young man uh, doing the best that he can. But like every time he got sent back out there after uh, just an abysmal, well, we're like, the is he gonna time, get like, benched? Is he gonna get benched? Is well, he gonna get? Benched? I, I just sort of assumed, and like he comes yeah. back out there. It was like it was like Groundhog Day. It's like, and you just watch the same things play on uh, over and over again. And and so like that feeling of sort of. Uh, futility and like the hopeless repetition of the same thing that you just watched that it felt like groundhog day for me in that respect. Certainly. Certainly. I mean, like I, uh, if I had a nickel for every time I said bench him (laughs) during the game and it's not because I don't like Sean Clifford. Like, I think we all understand that, you know, he's a charismatic um, you know, young kid that that's like, like you said, trying his best at the quarterback position, but you know, I'm sorry, sir. I'm doing my best. <laughs> um, <laughs> keep firing. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> a little, a little space balls, uh, little space reference. Balls. We are, we are a family of, of movie references. If you haven't gotten that yet, you're going to continue to get them. But yeah, I just, I, I the, what's going on in the, like the quarterback room that, like, is this one of those things, you know, Joe Paterno was always so um, loyal to his quarterbacks, particularly if his quarterback was a an upperclassman, which I, I Sean Clifford is. He's a he's sure. a redshirt so, junior at this point, yeah. And he's, you know, he started every game last year um, uh, or play, at least played in every game last year. Um, so it's like, is is is. Um, is Franklin trying to be loyal to a fault or is, is there literally nobody right. behind him who can is who the shows cupboard. anything in practice that can do what, you know, cause we had Will Levis come into the Ohio state game last year and he didn't, he didn't like, he, we almost had a shot to beat Ohio state, even with Levis in there almost, but he basically then all of his um, ineptitudes uh, as a quarterback, as a passer, basically reared their ugly heads in that game last season. And and maybe Franklin just doesn't see Will Levis as being, you know, the answer at a passing quarterback. You you have to pass the ball as a quarterback. And Will Levis only comes in in that Tommy Levis – or sorry, Tommy. Tommy, Tommy Levis. Sees, I mean, that's – Tommy, he is. He is. He's, he's, he's the, the lion, basically, uh, without actually playing, you know, receiver and all those things. Yeah, so one of the reasons that we may have continued to see Sean Clifford out there time and again, even though it felt like the game was slipping away and something needed to happen and you just – whatever, the Groundhog Day, maybe it was because the cupboard's bare behind him, as I think maybe, what you're saying. Maybe, but you have a t- you know? Taquan Roberson back there that we haven't seen yet. And I just at a certain point, like, you got to wonder, yeah. do we have anybody out? Like, I don't know. And I, you just I, wonder. You know, we got to say that's an unknown and and that, that sort of spec, you know, I find myself in danger of, like, doing the death spiral of, like, you know, uh, crisis thinking and and it's certainly understandable but like th- we got to recognize there's a lot as fans even reading as much as we tend to read uh, about articles and you know I've watched a couple of the press conferences there's just so much that we don't know under the surface so uh, you know I I, I, tr- I try to be the someone who's like 
you know, doesn't want to drive the pickup truck off the cliff with a groundhog sitting next to me. Uh, you know, that, that's the Bill Murray <laughs> Groundhog Day kind of response to the futility. Um, you know, well, of I'll course, take, it doesn't, I, I'll tell you right it doesn't now, actually work, right? It doesn't actually I would, solve the problem. I would <laughs> gladly take the prognosticator of prognosticators to tell me when this spiral ends. Like, we're 0-3. Are we going to be 0-4? Yeah, are and we the question going to be zero like, and five? Right? Are, how do we Rutgers get out of it? Going to be the way we right, that's win our first question. game? Well, I mean, that's, Rutgers that's, doesn't that's, look so bad this year, do they? That's what I'm saying. Is our our first chance of winning a game? Is it going to be Rutgers? Because I don't know. Like the team feels devoid of of legitimate leadership. Well, and so so here's the second reason it feels and the like- team is saying such. Yeah. So, so here's a second reason. Here's a second reason it feels like Groundhog Day to me. Not just like sort of the repeat pattern of seeing the same thing happen again, but like part of what's happening with Bill Murray's character in Groundhog Day is that he's lost his. He's devoid of any spark of life. Yeah. Like in some ways, got that toaster ready to go every morning. (laughs) In some ways, Groundhog Day. uh, You know, when when he wakes up in the same days the same as the other. That's like a metaphor for what his life was before, you know, the Groundhog Day curse started it's Groundhog hitting. Day it, it was. And like again. The, right. Yeah. But like that was his life. He didn't care about anything. Like it's just not things weren't coming together for him. And like even sort of ending it and like <laughs> that didn't break him out of it. Like no. you know, it was it only until he found right. It's only until he found the, the the true spark of life, the joy of life, the love of life. Um, that that things change for him, and I think that's that's what's missing on this Penn State team. It, it it's beyond sort of the the, the tasks. It's beyond the the it's process by yeah. Franklin. You know, whatever. It's like something fundamental is wrong. Well, that's a good. You bring up a good point, and and it's like the process that Franklin has gone by for years that we have understood as fans. He has a very very specific process week in week out, you know, season in season out, um, you know, spring, summer, like there he has his processes and they, they don't appear to be working this year. And even and I was skeptical of, of such processes because you know, in the big games it, like we just didn't seem to to like show up in the way that you were, were like really hoping to see the team really come out fired up, ready to go. And it's almost like because it's like the mundane nature of these of this process is like it's just like it's not like the workman's like attitude of like just going in and doing your job. Like, I don't know if that works for this this new team. Like maybe it worked for Trace McSorley and, and that team, you know, to a degree. But it, it it doesn't seem to be like he, Franklin wants to treat Ak, you know Akron like Pitt and vice versa. So in that respect, you know Rutgers is Ohio State and Ohio State is Rutgers, and it's like they're not. And to some of these kids, and and while they're trying to I like I while they're trying to have forge an identity on this new Penn State team this year, maybe these kids just don't identify with that that kind of a process. Maybe these kids want to get you know, want to, want to get hyped up a little bit more or want to, you know, just be treated a little differently in some, and I don't even know what that way is necessarily, but that's Franklin's job to read his team and understand what, you know, what they need in order to, to serve, to thrive a little bit better. And it's just, I, I, I would love to see, you know, at Owen three, maybe, maybe a little break from whatever process isn't working 
and 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 make no mistake, I understand that that the reason his process isn't able to be flourishing this year is because COVID ruined spring, COVID ruined summer, COVID ruined fall, essentially for any sort of normal Franklin process. You know. Yeah, and of course, all the other issues in terms of key team leaders being taken out um, on both offense and defense, yeah. and, and then having you know, at coaching. this point, and, yeah, and at this point, you know, all those things feel like excuses too. They do you know? feel like it's like it's like shut up about the excuses, and it's like okay, well, we can we can shut up about excuses, but that doesn't mean that what like it doesn't mean that that's not real. Yeah, so our our dad has a saying that that I, I hate when he says, but but in a lot of respects it's true, which is when you're explaining you're losing. And that really feels like that's the situation here. It doesn't matter how you can explain all these things. It's just but the fact that we're at this point, it, you know, we're losing and 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 the excuses or the explanations aren't going to help us to get out of it. And that's what we need. Like we need to pull out of this this death spiral, this losing pattern. Well, and um, the things that got us here are not going to be the things that get us out of it, I think is what I'm saying. Um, it's interesting you bring up our father. I Thank watched. I watched. <laughs> um, I watched the game this weekend with dad and with mom, both are Penn State alums. Um, and uh, dad doesn't, um, he thinks there's something wrong. Like he thinks there's something wrong with Franklin. That's what he doesn't know what he's not trying to like make claims as to what's wrong, but that he says that for, like there's just something like something is wrong with Franklin that he is not sure. This is not this is Franklin's you know there, there's something wrong behind the scenes that we don't know about and that we might never know about. But yeah. there's something wrong with Franklin and yeah. and whether it's like I don't want to like put anything out there that isn't true so i'm not going to necessarily go down any of those rabbit holes of what if but there is something wrong with franklin and maybe it's maybe there's some weird stuff there in terms of like being apart from his family is playing yeah, a we role. talked about that a little bit last week right i mean you could spy things can spiral he's a he's a human being and he things can spiral for you know someone who loses their first game, which they didn't think that they, this team thought they were going to go undefeated this year. This team literally thought that that's why Pat Fryermuth came back. And when you lose a heartbreaker, like you did to Indiana and then every, like your emotional, like rock is your family. Franklin has like shown that he's a family man in a lot of respects. He's trying to build a family in the locker room build a family with the families that are in the locker room of like their fa- like wherever those kids families are from they everybody feels like family and so that leads me to believe that he's probably a very very strong family person with his actual family and since they're not allowed to be around him or he d- has decided not to not have them be around due to her, his daughter's um sickle cell anemia um medical affliction i believe is what she has sickle cell i think so and i maybe that's like Things have spiraled for him potentially, uh, and 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 his and his typical anchorings that that keep him, you know, positive and emotionally, like with it, you know. Well, they, again, we all I think we all can can understand that we, as human beings, we all well, can we've fluctuate. all been living through this reality, right? You know, and and you know, obviously, one of the things that we're all looking for is that like college football is going to give us a break from the yeah. horror that we're watching on the headlines and yeah, in but our they're, own lives. They're dealing with day. the same stuff we are. You know, so. and so we're just so we're that much more angry when our team isn't able to give us that sense of release and and 
you know, help us to avoid for three hours, you know, that so many things are, are have been so hard. So, but, you know, one of the things that I think, you know, cause us to, to, to think that way is that the few glimpses that we've gotten of Franklin this year have been, especially since the season started, so very different yeah. from the Franklin we're used to seeing. And like, yeah. so the, the looks on the sideline, you know, of course he's got his like gator up over. So you only see like, you know, but you his, only see from the, from the eyes up, but his body language, he's, he's sort of shaking his head when stuff goes wrong. And it's like, there's almost a sense of like, he, he himself doesn't have the answer. And to a certain extent, it, it's, it feels like he understands that, that what's going wrong is not simply tactical. You know, there's something more, uh, going on under the surface. And again, what is that is, you know, it, has Franklin lost the team would be like one of the questions that you ask, you know, but uh, you know, let well, me so just some say of the things, some of the things that the players are saying in the post game press conference of this past yeah, game right, is right. like, is like, we're not playing as, as, a, as one, like there's yeah, a lot Jahan of Dotson had a very, yeah, very revealing press conference where, where he basically said that, and he put it on the team and, and I thought it was interesting. It, like he had very, it seemed authentic, not like, you know, double speak or, or, you know, talking points, very high, seemingly authentic re uh, remarks for Sean Clifford as their leader. He had not lost faith in Sean Clifford. And one of, someone asked him straight up, would, you know, would this be a time to give one of the other guys a shot? And he's like, well, that's for the coaches aside, but basically he said, Sean Clifford's my guy. Uh, very high respect for him. He also said that the coaches are putting us in a position to win. So he really, you know, he did not play the blame game, and and he said like the t the team, as you said, is has not come together. Um, guys are distracted. Their other things are taking priority. People are not putting the work in. And I don't know if these are this is the young guys or the veterans. He said the veterans need to take the young guys under their wings. But that something's happened that this team is not playing as a team. I mean, you see it on field, but that's what Jahan Dotson's analysis was and it was it was very sobering yeah it's interesting you bring up um you know him him uh bat, coming to bat for for Clifford and him saying that this isn't the coaches are putting us in a position to win I I can't uh verify exactly what year this was but dad and I were discussing during the game you know we were trying to relate it to other years in Penn State history of, of like what what you know let's try and find some positive like angles to look at things here and and history repeats itself in, in ways as we've discovered in life. And one way dad, dad related, related it to a prior season in Penn state history was there was, there've been plenty of times where, you know, the media and fans have been like, Joe Pa has lost this team and Joe Pa has, has um, essentially the game has passed him by and he's no longer the right coach for Penn state football, blah, blah, blah. And, there was a time when like Penn state uh, was, had like lost a big game or had lost to a lesser opponent or had gone on a string of losses. And the players were like, they hadn't lost faith in their coach, but everybody else was asking the questions. Right. You know? And so, and like, you know, I, again, I wish I could remember what season it was that he, he had mentioned, but the fury of my emotions <laughs> allowed me to black out what time, what 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 year he was referring to, and we discussed many many seasons of Penn State's history to to kind of like shine light on. Hey, there's there's silver linings here that we can look at that that can help you know us get through this dark time as fans. But basically, it's like 
okay, well, well, according to Jahan Dotson, you know, these guys understand that it's on them and it's, it's not like Franklin isn't able to get it done for them. It's, yeah. you, know, you know, and when and you start we, hearing that in the media, that's going to be a much more telling situation. Yeah, I, I think so. Uh, you know, one of the other references that we've brought up repeatedly is is the natural and the sports psychology that losing is a disease. I'm sorry we keep bringing that up. But like <laughs> losing the, is a disease, apparently. But like, again, what what happened in that movie and what, one of the reasons why it's one of my favorite movies. My dad took me to see that movie at the Campus Theater in downtown Lewisburg. Beautiful uh, theater. And, yeah, when it first came out. And I just I, I love, fell in love with that movie. Um, first time I saw Robert Redford. Um, and first we were time big baseball I really, players back yeah, then, too. First time I really saw a sports movie. Um, but, you know, what, what that movie kind of suggested, it, you know, and, and of course, the New York Knights are this like bad news bears, woebegone team. They can't do anything right, which really feels like Penn State right now. And it was this one guy who came in, you know, this sort of washed up player who who nobody believed in, not even, you know, the the coach played by the late Wilford Brimley, you know, until one day he just goes in and starts making something happen, you know, and mm-hmm. lightning strikes, so to speak. And that all of a sudden the team starts to believe the team didn't change. The coach, the coaching didn't change. It was just sort of one one act, one player, one spark that sort of turned things around. And, you know, I think, I, I think, you know, that's some of what, you know, it's almost you like they're, they're waiting for someone they, this season. They've been waiting for somebody else to create that spark. Like, you know, I, I it, like the Maryland game in the first half to me felt like Penn state was waiting for Maryland to just hand them a, a victory. Do you know what I mean? I, so, I mean, I, I, that's not how I would, put it i I would just say it felt like the team was going through the motions that's what i'm saying going through the motions to the point of just being like uh we expect to win this game and maryland's not as good as us so they will hand us the victory at some point you know i I mean i don't whatever i don't even think that level of psychology was there they they it seemed like they didn't have any sense of 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 anything other than like they were so inside their heads that you know there was no instinct there was no love of the game. There was no team cohesion. It was just everything, you know, p- players were, were sort of walking, they were watching, you know, we've come, we've become used to watching like on the defensive side, like the team rally to the ball, you know, and like on those two big crossers, same play, you out know, of the position. Pens- you know, out of, so position, out of position, they were, they were, you know, late to react. They, you know, guys were trailing, they, you know, not hustling, you know, again, it, to me that it's, the 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 heart of this team ha, has ha, well, so, know, failed to materialize, and and the question is, you know, how does it get there? Well, and so, maybe so it, for it's the gotta, New York, it, it maybe it's got to come from somewhere within the team. That and where will that come? It's hard. It's hard to know right now. So so with the New York Knights in that film, you know, they that was a a rock bottom team. You know what I mean? Like, and they had been living at rock bottom. They've been scraping bottom for yeah, a long time. Yeah, that's what I'm time. saying. So the question is, where is like is 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 that what it's going to take for this? You know, this team this year is it going to take rock bottom? And then the question becomes, if it is going to take rock bottom, where is rock bottom? Well, I mean, are know, we at rock bottom, or is there a further uh, bottom that we definitely that, not at rock bottom? There's a lot to play for still, in my opinion. 
Yeah. And a lot of, lot of, lot of pundits are, 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 are wondering and, and fans are wondering what's left to play for this year. We're Owen three. This is a lost season. And it's like, guess what? I know for a fact, it's not a lost season. And, and history tells us this. Um, and, and history tells us that for the 2005 Penn state football season, that season didn't start in 2005. You know, yeah, Penn State might not be able to play for a national title. They might not even be able to play for a conference championship. They might not even be able to play for a division championship this year. I mean, year. they're working on not being able to play for a winning season right now. Right? I mean, but there's still something to play for, is what you're saying. And just re- just remind people about the 2005 season for reference. Um. So in 2000, um. So in 2005, we went what 11 and one in the regular season. Yeah, lost and was that that's the last second loss to Michigan, right? Uh, we we lost the last second, um, the last eight seconds because, um, uh, you know what's his name, the yeah, the coach Car- Lloyd Carr, uh, the, the Lloyd Carr, um, favorite guy. He he got eight seconds, um, on the clock from the the referees because he complained. And it was like, yeah. So if not for we, that, Penn State, if not for that, we'd have been undefeated. And we want, we went on to beat uh, Florida State in the Orange Bowl and triple overtime. It was um, a great, great season. One, yeah. like literally eight seconds away from a national championship uh, season potentially, right? So, so, so that was two thousand five. Yeah. But so now rewind two thousand. 2004. Well, 2005, we had, you know, um, great players on the team. <laughs> you know, We had a, a, a bunch of great players on the team and namely Paul Puzlesny. You know, he was, he was our defensive leader and he was the man. He was, he, he was the, I think it was a two-time Buckus award winner. You know, he, he was a stud at linebacker, but he did, wasn't a nationally known anybody until, 2004 when Penn State was pathetic in the in the in our fourth year of the dark years fourth out of four out of five years we went on uh, to have losing seasons and everybody thought Joe was washed up and couldn't couldn't field a, a, a you know winning team couldn't 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 you know play football anymore couldn't coach kids anymore couldn't relate all that kind of stuff and we I don't remember what our rec- record was at the time. Um, for the Indiana game, which, by the way, Indiana doormat to us, um, Indiana. And, I, and at the time, I think, um, you know, at the, well, yeah, at the time, we'd only had one loss to Indiana ever. And we had we took four plays in a row from the goal. Uh, like, Indiana had first and goal on us to go ahead and win the game. And we stopped them four plays in a row. And on the, on the fourth down play, Paul Pazlesny went up and over the pile and met whatever, um, you know, running back in the, you know, in the air, just as epic of a <laughs> replay as you could imagine. Stopped them there. And we went on to win that game. And that game, those players can t- point to that game and be like, that was the turning of the tide that made us believe in Joe made us, you know, believe not necessarily believe in Joe, but like believe that we could be a better team. And it began there. So, so this season as a fan, you, you can write the team off, go ahead. That's not going to do anything for anybody. You know, you can, you can say you want to fire Franklin. That's not going to, a, that's not realistically happening. And B he's our, he's going to be our coach support the, the fact that he's putting in the hard 
you know, time, effort, energy, love, care um, of of these players and trying to put them in the possession to win. And all it takes is, like you said, a spark against a lowly team like Indiana or Nebraska to start to turn the tide. And then, I don't know, like, it's just we can't predict the future. So to write off a team that's 0-3 will be like writing off a team in 2004 when, you know, the Fairweather fans were were, were just, they, there was no way Penn State could possibly have an undefeated season the, in 2005. No way, you know? And I'll just, to emphasize, and that's a great point, Tom, and, and just to doubly emphasize that, going into that Indiana game that was the second-to-last game of the season, we are on a six-game losing streak. <laughs> right. We had yeah. just lost to Northwestern. Right. Uh, we had, in that, in that uh, streak, had lost to Purdue. Uh, our, our only two wins up to that point were against Akron and UCF, who was a terrible, terrible yeah, team at the at time. Yeah, at the time, UCF ha- was nowhere near the program that they are In now. our second game that season, we lost to Boston College 21-7. to Yeah. They were so, the dark years. So, <laughs> Those were the dark years. Yeah, and and that that Indiana game, uh, we, we won by four points, 22-18. to 18. So, yeah, that pause... Paul Puzlesny play was was critical. <laughs> Our third win of the season. We ended up winning a big against Michigan State that year, 37-13 to close out the season. So we we ended that season with four wins mm-hmm. and seven losses. Yeah, it, you know, and and but there were some things under the surface that were happening already that would. You know, we were riding a two-game win streak going into that 2005 season that ended up being very, you know, very close to a national championship season. So, um, I, you know, I think like it's too that, early so to write team, things off. Yeah. And we don't, again, we don't know what's going on under the surface here. I do want to get a little bit back to James Franklin and sort of what's going on with him. And, um, you know, as you know, Tom, in, in my leadership position, uh, leading, uh, you know, a, a pastor of a church, um, and there's a spiritual component and there's like an organizational component, but really leadership undergirds a lot of what I do. So I, tr- I try to make a study of leadership and thinking about it. And one of the best uh, bits of advice I ever got on on uh, becoming a pastor and leading a congregation is um, that it's really uh, important to focus on energy management in terms of your own self. Uh, you know, because if you run out of energy as a leader, like you're kind of sunk. It doesn't matter if you have great ideas if you don't have the energy to execute them. If you run out of energy and you can't get yourself going uh, personally every day, it's hard to get other people going. And, and you know, I do wonder. You know, because of how challenging this this pandemic has been, like for my, for myself, the energy has been a problem. It really has. You know, and we're all tired, and I imagine Franklin is tired, and and particularly as leaders, you know, not only do we require all of the energy to 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 do the leadership that it always takes, but we have also had to come in these sort of like crisis situations and it's been eight months of crisis management on top of all of the other stuff. So again, back to James Franklin, it feels like feels like the energy on the sidelines and the press conference is just it's just not there right now. It's just not. And so again, I mean so the problem, by the way, the success is- success breeds energy. And so right. like the 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 continual um lack of success has sort of I think created this sort of 
spiral of low energy and you know make but you also do wonder what's going on behind the scenes what's happening on the well, family so, level what's happening on the team level you know what's happening that you know at least for franklin feels like it's beyond his ability to control so it's a fine line it's a fine line between making excuses for franklin and being realistic about what his job is and and he's getting paid 5.7 million dollars a year to do and it's like Okay, you know, at a certain point, you're like, is he living up to that that salary? So <laughs> I would say I, no. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, well, that's so that's the problem. And then, but then you have to refactor back in the fact that okay, well, this is still a human being. That this isn't professional football that we're dealing with. And for people that want to just immediately be like, pull the trigger, fire this dude. Like that's not how college football works. Well, like, I, I do. Th I mean, I do think that college football is a results oriented uh, industry, you know. Yeah, but, and, but it's not as black and white as, as, as it is in the pros when you're like, we're firing this co coach because he lost the locker room because because the players are more important uh, than the coaches in, in the pros. But, well, but in, yeah. in, in college, you're you're not just dealing with wins and losses in college. You're not because these are yeah. co these are college kids. They are student athletes. They are in school. They are going to class. They are dealing with maturing into adulthood. You know, and they're away from the home for the first time in their life. So, well, it's so, a different it's a different environment to be sure. Well, yeah, and you're dealing with recruiting and boosters and. It's you're you're not you're not dealing with what pro coaches are dealing with. You're dealing with a lot more. Well, nonetheless, more. nonetheless, you know, um, even on the pro level, changing the coach, it doesn't always solve the problem. Sometimes it does, but it doesn't always. I mean, look at the Browns. How many coaches have they been through? <laughs> right. You know, you know, look at literally. the Jets. Yeah. Right. You know, well, look, and, then, and then look at look at the look at a team that has the stability like the Patriots. Yeah. Bill Belichick has taken them to how many Super Bowls? And now they're two and five and people are talking about trading Bill Belichick away. It's just like, it's just to me, it's it's foolish. I mean, well, that's I, what I'm saying as, as fans, like yeah. we are just foolish to think that the, the firing of your head coach after three games, you know, is the answer. It's well, definitely well, look, not the answer. And it's not oh, even possible. Yeah, well, I think that's the place to start, right? I think you shared with me earlier that like James Franklin's buyout is is just ridiculous. It's like forty million dollars. It's or something almost like forty that. million dollars. So, so I mean, it's particular when like revenues are down, and even if you're having like the best revenue year you've ever had, I mean, it's just it's it's not feasible. It's not <laughs> prudent to, you know. To, to do that, much less of whether it would be helpful. Why, why, it, you like, just we just we just need to take that off the table. In Penn terms State of what was we, fined sixty million dollars for the Jerry Sandusky scandal. Yeah, like 60, and it almost like, crippled the program. <laughs> yeah, right? Do you think paying one coach forty million dollars to not be your coach is smart? It's a like, it's a bad idea. You could you can argue that that the, the extension last year was not not a good deal if if you wanted to fire the coach, but that's neither here nor there at this point because it's. Well, it's a done deal. We were looking at Franklin. We were worried that Franklin was going to get yeah. poached by people, USC. People we're forget. Like, the, like oh, you know? man. So oh, Franklin's going to get poached quickly. by USC or or whoever at he the heck else, you know. People but, were worried about that. Again, we were like, even oh, if crap. you want to, even if you want to fire him, you can't. But I just also want to say, like, you know, you, you mentioned the Joe Paterno example. But you also look at, you know, say, take the Steelers. You know, Mike Tomlin uh, is one of the longest tenured coaches in the NFL right now. And he's had a couple of down years the last, you know, in the last, you know, five or so years. And I mean, he also again, almost lost to the Cowboys yesterday. 
well, on their yeah, but they're they're also still undefeated. You know what I mean? Like the Steelers are having a fantastic year and uh, this year, and you want to give a lot of credit to the coaching for that, absolutely. But you know, that's not how the Steelers were doing a couple years ago, right? You know, so so sticking with a coach, and and what I'm building toward here is, you, you know. If the coaching actually isn't the problem, getting rid of the coach is not going to solve your problem. And right. for it's a only fan, it's going to create more turmoil. It's just going to make it worse. So for right. a fan, yeah. we want the easy answer, the silver bullet. We want things to change now. But the truth is, life is a lot more complex than that. And that's not to say it's not Franklin's responsibility to sort it out. Yeah, we're not removing. We're not removing his response. Not whatsoever with our discussion. But people that think we're but just, some change. You know, some homers. things are some things are more, you know, more complex and things that can't be changed in just one week or the next. Things yeah, like throwing a tantrum about your coach isn't going to solve the problem. I mean, it might help you feel better. Like I mean, I for I, a minute. Yeah, I you know I I definitely was in an emotionally dark space on Saturday and just I mean at my wits end. Uh, to watch the Groundhog Day like you know repetition sit in there, yeah, and like we're, Franklin we're sitting there shaking his head, you know, and it's like do something, dude, and like you know, just irrationally changed. going off of our emotion of being dis- disgruntled for the. That's what's great about field. being a fan, but like when it, you know, when it gets to the, what do you actually do about it? You know, and look, if the if coaching is a problem, then then let's do something about that. Apparently, we can't do that, at least with Franklin this year. It does call well, the mind. Hold on. We, hold on. Uh-huh. So, uh, All right. So, well, then it does It does almost become more of a, okay, so for, if, if Franklin's a head coach and he's not going anywhere, like, who's being held accountable? Yeah. Like, I mean, like, Franklin, yes, he is accountable and he will take ownership of, of the problems, but it's also up to his assistant coaches to do the majority of the actual practice coaching to get them in position and and brent pry terry smith john scott jr uh the offensive line coach Troutwine, kirk Sharaka, like we have seen an, an total and utter collapse at every level at every position group at every you know position on the field yeah across, just across the board we're like well, i mean like, so what the are these offensive line like we yeah. expected them offensive to be a strength a of this team I mean, I, I mean, offensive line is a real problem. Yeah. We have a real, 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 real problem. It might be the biggest, it might be the single biggest problem on the team. That's what I'm saying. And we said we weren't going to necessarily talk about tactical things and nitpick, but like that, like you, you know, zero run game. Uh, Clifford's not comfortable in the pocket. Like, you know, that offensive line, which is supposed to be filled with veterans and leaders, they, it, something is really off. And they were shifting guys in and out. And, I, you know, in Franklin's yeah, press conference. they couldn't find a combination that worked. He said, you know, some of, yeah, some of it was, was rotational stuff, but some of it was trying to find a combination of guys that could actually, like, they know that the O-line is not doing what they're supposed to do. And Sean Clifford, in his press conference, he did not throw the O-line under the bus, you know, but, like, it seems clear that that, that offensive line, I mean, they couldn't, they couldn't control the line of scrimmage against Maryland. And a lot of credit to Maryland, uh, you know, it's not to take away Maryland, but I, you got to expect that our athletes, you know, mano a mano, our athletes are better than their athletes on that line. And, and Not expect, it definitively. I mean. Definitively are better. Right. That's what I'm saying. And, and they're just not, they're not performing up to their own, you know, 
personal abilities or cohesive abilities within the unit because yeah and by the way on the opposite side of the ball our d-line got no push mm-hmm. against their offensive line so like in the trenches right now like our stud all-star defensive line we cannot get pressure uh, when we have a four-man front and that's a re- especially against a team like maryland who are they're trying to to pick you apart with downfield passing and you can't get a you can't get a uh, you know, pressure on the quarterback with just the four. Yeah, we've I mean, got guys like Jason Owe and Shane Simmons and Shaka Tony. And uh, you know, those guys aren't are not. I mean, something's something's wrong there as well. So so uh, you know, again, is it lack of talent? No. Is it bad scheme? I don't know enough about football Maybe. to say it. <laughs> you know, Maybe. is it is it lack of effort uh, and heart? You know, is it poor positional coaching? I, it's just well, I I kept hearing that this there was the, the team is like distracted by outside things. Like, what are they distracted by? Yeah, like what better way to to be like not distracted by the outside world than diving into football? But it but it sounds like they they whether it's like the election, whether it's um, you know. Uh, I mean, we obviously are dealing with a strange political times, um, unprecedented political times, uh, at least in my lifetime, um, you know, with the election and everything le- that leads up to an election. So it, for for kids, are we maybe really going to talk about that? <laughs> I, I mean, I, I don't know. I'm just saying I'm just saying that, that there's I, granted, real world stuff happening yes. along with covid and the, and politics and and they it can it can change people's motivations it can it can make people decide to put more more energy somewhere else other than where we we as fans yeah, would a good hope point. that they would put put their energy and, and emotion and you so, know you didn't have the same kind of college experience that i did i i was uh at penn state for four years i was an on-campus resident for four years and let me just say there was some really you know, emotionally challenging stretches there where, I, you know, dealing with depression, dealing with, you know, I'm not sure I would have said it at the time, but looking back, I think there was some of that going on for me there, you know, you know, issues with friendships, issues with, you know, my own sense of identity and purpose in life and all of that kind of stuff. You know, that's just a normal college student. You know, I was an English major for crying out loud. I had virtually no extracurricular <laughs> responsibilities, you know, and and so, yeah, I was just part of that stage in life. And especially if things aren't going well, if you feel like there's more friction on your football team than there is, uh, you know, cohesion, it, you can... It's it's perhaps not that hard to think that guys are letting those outside voices and pressures and concerns and worries. Uh, That's what I'm saying. That yeah, college yeah, I'm agreeing with you. I'm agreeing you know, with and, you. And as fans, you know, we 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 live in we're living in a time where for 13 seasons in a row, a team like Alabama has been able to be ranked number one at least one week out of the last 13 years. So, you know, and we're looking at a, a, a dominant Clemson team over the last, you know, five, seven, ten years, a dominant Ohio State team over the last, you know, d- decade and or plus. And it's for a Penn State fan, they're, we're tired of, you know, the Penn State fan, the general Penn State fan is tired of excuses, but – you know, it doesn't remove them as being realities either. 
just because right. you're tired of hearing excuses or tired of understanding that we didn't get over the hump yet again, you know? And by the way, <clears throat> you know, but Mitt- like, so, so you're, 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 you're a fan of a college football team. Guess what? There's uncertainty in college football. That's, by the way, part of what, <laughs> part of what makes it fun, right? Right. But, yeah. Cause but, they're, they're dealing. Yes. What I was about to say sure. is like, you know, the, the <laughs> dominance of the big three right now, um, you know, there are a lot of football programs out there that aren't that far off from sort of Penn state sense of like, what the heck? Why can't we get over the hump? You know, think about a Texas or a USC or I mean, I mean, talk about yeah, <laughs> Harbaugh. Yeah, I mean, get over the I hump mean, in the division before the season. I definitely would. James Franklin was able to win the division and the conference <laughs> once. Well, before the season, I would have said we were a lot closer to Ohio State than Michigan, but it doesn't feel that way right now. And there's another Michigan team that I'm thinking, you know, is analogous to us, and that's last year's Michigan State team. Do you remember how pathetic? They seemed and just like every team was just sort of like feasting on them. And they, you know, I mean, they had a decent quarterback and Brian Lewerke. They made the college football playoff in 2000, I think 15. I know. Like, so, you know, <laughs> so I do think there's this like we in terms of like, where's rock bottom? Like we're at risk of having a Michigan State type of season uh, last year's Michigan State. And, uh, you know, nobody wants that. And I mean, you look at the the fallout of that. Uh, was was you know their coach was you know retired <laughs> emeritus or you know some sort of position in the ad's office, um, it, you know so it and, and Michigan State by the way actually having a half decent start to the season this year, mm. you know I so so uh, did you didn't Iowa just completely obliterate them? I said half decent. They beat Michigan. Uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> but Michigan's also proving themselves True. to be not half decent. Yeah, so I mean, to your point, even firing the coach. I mean, great not- for Michigan State. That win is that that makes their season basically. Yeah. But they got obliterated by Iowa. That's true. So. It was embarrassing. Embarrassing. So, all, all that to say, like even firing your coach or getting ready to coach at a at a your rock bottom season may not be the thing that that you need to pull it out now and again there with with Saban um no not sorry not Nick Saban um what's his name D'Antonio there was talk of Dan, having Saban lost. used to coach Michigan State no that's why I don't know <laughs> go, go on though. um but there was talk of him having lost the locker room last year right and I think that had as much and and, and that like over several I mean remember he like he he shuffled the coaches he didn't he didn't hire new coaches. He just sort of swapped like the offensive effort. It was cut. it was weird. Like there were like there were more substantive questions about what D'Antonio was doing with the team. It wasn't just the the wins and yeah, losses. I don't think Franklin's there. Franklin. No, I, I, I to I me agree. Franklin hasn't worn out his welcome in any way. And that's that's not to say that I have not been extremely frustrated by some of the things Franklin has done. I'm not removing the blame on him for his horrible game management situations over the last five years. Plus, you know, the way he uses timeouts, the way he calls plays, the way the team can sometimes come out of a timeout looking disheveled. You know, these things are, I'm not trying to remove blame from the head coach having these responsibilities and falling short of those responsibilities. You get paid $5.7 million a year, not just to recruit. You are, should be a coach on the, on game day too. But it's not to say Franklin has been, like again we got to remind ourselves that he pulled us out of you know oblivion you know after bill o'brien kept the the ship together he pulled us out of uh you know oblivion with the the uh, sanctions and 
you know, two, two, not, he didn't, he didn't have a losing season in those first two seasons that we could have been a losing team. Easily in my could have been a losing team. Well, you know, again, this, this gets to, um, what does a leader do to turn the ship around? And, right. you know, I'll just say rock bottom, it, I think part of why rock bottom tends to do this sort of thing is just creates motivation. But rock bottom isn't always motivation. I mean, you can still skid the bottom for years, you know. And well, so, what is <clears throat> what is Franklin going to be able to do to help right the ship? And one well, of the things, possi- hold, hold on a sec. Sorry. One of the things that I think adversity does is it it, it creates a reason to get you out of stuck patterns. And like we've been saying, this process thing, it's gotten us only so far as a Penn State team. Maybe that process up to this point has created a ceiling. And what, but but yeah. it was yeah, enough sure. success to, to avoid the rationale of, of trying to change things up. And maybe this season is revealing some structural underneath problems with that process that, that will I know, you know, say, look, we got it. Even if it's just for the season, we've got to do something different. Creatively approach things in a new way. Find a way to bring emotion back into it, you know, that that motivates these kids. And, and you know, maybe that will help to, to create more of a winning formula in the years ahead. I think that's one way to look at it. Because well, so- sometimes, sometimes until you have deep, deep adversity, you're just not going to get out of the rut um, that hasn't quite been leading to the success that you ultimately. Well, because you want. don't have a, have a, a reason to fight hard enough to get out of the rut. Because yeah. because you feel like eh, it's not that bad until you're like, oh my gosh, this this place is on fire. I gotta I gotta get up. I gotta do something. I, I'm fighting for my my life right now. Or you know, yeah, I mean, yeah, so, I mean, speaking. someone with nothing to lose is is someone who's. Has everything to gain, right? Yeah, and so, has everything to gain. And and I think the last few years, you know, Penn State. Uh, you know, team probably felt like they sure had a lot to lose. And so, you know, we you played play... the underdog role very well. We, we have not been, we've not played the part of a dominant team very well. Well, we've and not, again, we've so... not found the motivation as a, 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 a upper tier team to continue to strive to be better and to be the best. And then actually assert that dominance or will to be better than teams that maybe even are better, but are, de- are worse. We haven't had the will to, to, to perform to that level on the field on Saturdays. Well, and, and some of, I think, what maybe you're seeing, too, from the team anyway, is sort of this sense of entitlement, right? Uh, we're entitled to win this game. We're just, if we just go out and go through the motions, if we just, right, you know, whatever. Right. And, and like, part of, like, this type of adversity, you know, maybe not only for this team, but and maybe that's what the Trace McSorley-led teams had is they knew how bad it could be. And so they were fighting for it to get the success that they had, you know, and this team now, they, they don't have a sense of, uh, so that's what I was saying. The yeah, process so, that worked yes, for, yes, for that right. team, I'm with is, you. I don't think it, it, it speaks to these players at this point in their career. Like, all right. Yeah. We have the most talent on the, on a Penn state roster, maybe ever. You know, obviously we were hit by injuries and opt-outs and yada, yada, whatever, but there's still talent on this team. And so maybe this talent wasn't given the the proper motivation to play 
cohesively up to their abilities, you know, and, and could be due to the, you know, unintended consequence of the process, not allowing them to unlock these potentials, this, this, or even break through what their potential is to the next level of superstardoms, you know, whatever. Because we, it seems like we have players that have the ability to be superstars and they're performing like three-star recruits on the field. Oh, yeah. Together. Together. Yes. Together they're showing three-star performances from a, you know, uh, a performance standpoint. So so here you're talking about like, okay, what, what, what do you do different? You know, it's almost like... Yeah, I mean, like at the beginning of the season, we were like, oh, this would be the perfect year for the college football playoff to expand to eight teams. Right. You know, here's a great opportunity. Well, that didn't come to fruition. But here we are from a Penn State level. Here is a perfect opportunity for Penn State, for James Franklin, for the coaching staff to to not, not saying blow it up, but yeah, start start something new here to build towards something that does work and provide results on the field on Saturdays. And, and one way that I, you know, I'm not a coach. I don't get paid anything to, I don't get paid anything. I don't get paid anything to be a fan. I don't get paid anything to do this podcast. You know, like I'm, I'm checks just in the run, mail, bro running my mouth. <laughs> but, but you know, here's a, if I were given the coaching responsibilities for this coming week, you would crawl up in the fetal position. And I would curl up and cry. <laughs> I would soothe myself with my own tears. No. So I I would say to the team, listen, you know, no, no one's job here is safe. You, you know, like you, every day is a tryout for your position. Cause I, I, I mean, I would take the slightly different tack, which to say is everyone has an opportunity to become a star. Sure. Okay. You can frame it up better than I can. I, I'm just, I'm throwing stuff at the wall right now, but I'm just, but I mean, I, I get what you're saying. I'm just saying, but like to, you know, to motivate by fear is probably not helpful right yeah, okay. now. You, Fair. That's why yeah. I'm not getting paid any money to coach. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, you have children. I have no children. You, you have a, <laughs> you have a congregation. I have no congregation. Uh, nobody follows me. <laughs> so the people um, listening right now are your congregation. Tom. Okay. Well, I, I will get the, uh, the fear train rolling and everybody better now so, so i'm just saying like okay performance based um practices ever at the end of every day we'll announce we'll announce a starter for tomorrow's practice and yeah. then tomorrow i like it you still gotta play to keep your job for the next day and the next day and the next day and it's not just like and i know franklin's like okay clifford's my guy but we gotta jar these these players into working harder you gotta you gotta jolt them you gotta make sure that they they understand that like okay here's my opportunity to be better here's my opportunity to play on saturday here's my opportunity to help our team win here's my opportunity to make penn state um you know want to know this week and because you know again that 2005 team started in 2004 clifford's you know, I, I get it. There's seniors on this team this year. Clifford's going to be back next year, whether yeah. we like it or not. Yeah. And I so, do wonder, we haven't talked a lot about the, the decision-making around keeping Clifford in there. To me, it just felt utterly, utterly useless. Yes. But, you know, one of the reasons to keep him in there that we haven't talked about, and I'm not saying it's the right reason or it was the right call to keep sending him back out there, but one of the reasons is it, it may be. Sean Clifford really is the spiritual leader of that team, and to to bench him at that time 
would not it would basically be to say, I don't believe in you, Sean, but I also I don't believe in you, team. Like maybe keeping him in there was the right call, even though he was, he, you know, his, yeah, we're, we're his not there. We're performance not the was so room. bad. I, exactly. So we're stupid, stupid fans. We you know, really to, are. Right. To, and like to lose Sean Clifford at this point, you know, emotionally or spiritually, maybe that would be. Now, again, we don't know what's happening with Will Levis or, um, you know, Roberson to, to say, you know, maybe they're the guy that will give the team the spark that they need. But but that's, again, could Let's be one of way. those. Urban reasons. Meyer spoke glowingly about Sean Clifford when they were actually re- trying to recruit they were trying to recruit Sean Clifford out of high school, and Clifford chose Penn State over, um, over uh, Ohio State. But uh, you know, bo- both when Urban Meyer was the coach at Ohio State, and and since you know he's been a Fox analyst um, and commentator, he has he spoke glowingly about Sean Clifford. Sean Clifford almost beat Ohio State uh, last year until he you know until he was knocked out of the game. Like, yeah, he yeah, and he's, you know, he's helped us. He's helped us in games win games. He's not yeah, like he's some devoid of, of, with, of ability. With Sean Clifford, we talked about, you know, in our text string, you know, him regressing, right? And like, what's, you know, we could, you could make a case for that. Um, but like, what's the cause of that regression? Is it that he himself has changed or is it there's other things going on out, outside of his control? Like, for example, you know, his decision making and he, you know, he always seemed a little bit slow on the uptick, but it's even worse now. I mean, he's just like, he cannot pull the trigger to save his life for so so many of those hanging plays. Hanging on to the ball, whether, hanging on to yeah, the ball. Whether it's the, the, the exchange of the RPO or the decision to make a pass and like, you know, what is happening there? Is like it waiting for like the perfect play to materialize in front of him at all times? And it's like, it's indis- the indecisive nature of his, um, you know, the way he's performing is, it, A, it's maddening to watch on the screen. Yeah. You <laughs> know, we really fam, need but your... it's definitely hampering the offensive lines, probably a abil- their ability sure. to I mean, how, how long can the offensive line hold their blocks? And they're barely doing it as they, as well, they, it's, as it's it is. again, it's everything together. And like the, what's the fine line between a team that is functioning in sync and a team that nothing can go right. And, you know, honestly, it's probably a lot finer line than we would think. So, but again, how do you get over that hump? I mean, I think, honestly, it just, this feels like a team that's lost its mojo. And like, we need Austin Powers to like go on a mm-hmm. time traveling <laughs> adventure to find Love that my mojo. mojo, baby. Yeah. <laughs> totally. I mean, it's just. Yeah. Well, it's also, also almost like, like chicken or the egg. Who lost their mojo first? James Franklin, Sean Clifford, the offensive line, the, the entire team. Like whose mojo went first? What was the first domino? It's probably, you know, I would, I would imagine it was the, the referee stole it from us at the end of the Indiana game, but we looked terrible I... before that. <laughs> We look terrible before that. Like, like Penn State hasn't shown up to start a game yet yeah. this season, yeah. and they didn't show up at all on, so, against against uh, Maryland. Like we showed up in the second half against Indiana. We showed up in the second half against Ohio State, but we didn't show up at all. Like like holy crap, that Indiana loss that was a domino effect of just like bye bye mojo. And then Ohio State like like stepped on it and then twisted it twisted it into the dirt and then we showed up uh, against Maryland at home by the way at home. Uh, well, and I know that I, there's no fans there, but like at 
And by the way, can I just real quick? That broadcast was atrocious. Oh my goodness! I mean, now that we're talking about ten nitpicking, net- but <laughs> yeah, like it was, I mean, uh, it was unlistenable. Channel this anger. Somewhere. I mean, it, wow! Watching that, watching Big Ten's broadcast of that uh, game was like insult to injury on top of the loss. And I hate like, how they delay the broadcast enough. Uh, that you can't sync it up with like the radio announcers. The radio. I would rather much radio rather sure. have listened to the radio yeah. if I could. It was just it was, it was so hard to. Yeah, I, I mean the 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 video quality was terrible. The audio quality was atrocious. I, and like I'm not. I mean both lie, the play he, by play and the color. I mean, and I know Matt Millen. You know. Yeah, he, I got nothing he, bad to say about Matt Millen as a person. I'm glad he's still with us because he's fighting cancer last year and the year before. But the but, but the but the 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 talk the conversation between the two of them was just. Uh, I mean, I've seen better B squads. That's for sure. No, uh, that was more like the D squad. <laughs> Um, so, uh, it felt it like did it did not it, help the situation remember, like, I would say for a Penn ba- State fan <laughs> back when, back when college football or back when Penn State football wasn't necessarily a given that it was going to be national, uh, like a, um, a nationally televised game. Like now it's just like, you know, you, you there's you never find the be game a, every week. Yeah. Every week. There was a time back in the nineties and even in the early two thousands where, yeah, you may not be able to watch you, the game. You might not be able to get to the game depending on where you or get to watch the game depending on where you are in the country, especially. But the the like the crappier teams that we, when Penn State would play in like two thousand, if we if we were to go play Akron in like two thousand, that game would be on some crappy, crappy channel that was like like regionally locally broadcasted. You know, like on channel like nine or or something that just wasn't ABC, yeah. wasn't NBC, wasn't Fox, it wasn't ESPN. It's like the it guys some, that would be doing a high school football game these days. It it literally felt like we were watching yes. a high school broadcast or something like that. And then and then you add on top of that the um the fake <laughs> the fake crowd noise just being like oh. a constant white noise. Like oh, it's for the Ohio so State bad. game, they were they were like there was like at least cheering like a uh, variation and there, but for this, it felt like it was almost, I don't know. I they felt phoned, they phoned it in. It felt like the <laughs> Ohio state game was bad too. It's like the five second delay for like no, the, it was. the cheer. It was and it's like, it's but, like, but what po- is happening? <laughs> yeah. It, it doesn't help. And I wonder what that's like to be a player on the field. Well, I just think that. that's all part of it. Right. It's just like, you're living in this weird, like uh, alternate universe, this bizarro world, like, you know, on Seinfeld, we're just like, yeah. what is happening here? Nothing bizarro is right. Jerry. Yeah, it feels that way. We're watching yeah. bizarro James Franklin and like bizarro yeah. Clifford. Yeah. We're living in bizarro world. So right now. much. It's very frustrating. <laughs> so look, um, we've already talked about it um, a little bit, quite a bit actually, but like the, where, where do we go from here? I mean, I'm not, not talking about Nebraska, right? Not the not what are the keys to the game? I, I let's we'll talk about that in a few days. But like as a team, as a, the Penn State football team in 2020, the 0 and three, and I'll just like it was Dotson or it was Clifford who said it. He said well, we are not a good football team, and well, it's yeah, true. Like Clifford said, we're an 0 and three poor performing team. That's the t- yeah, that's and what Dotson we are said, right now. Dotson said we're not a good football team, and that's my feeling is like. This is not a good football team. And now, does it have the makings of a good football team? Does, does it, it have, have good football players? Yeah. I yeah. think so. But as a team, this is not a good football team. It's an 0-3 football team. It's a poor-performing, low-motivation team. Um, devoid, of, devoid of leaders that are showing themselves 
to be leaders on game day yeah. that are that are that like it's fine if you're a leader in practice and all but a, if you don't show up and i don't even mean in the stat column i mean i mean emotionally on the sidelines instead of everybody just sitting and sulking and waiting for somebody else to do something where is that where is the leadership there yeah you know? it's, a, it's as bad as anything we've seen in the franklin era um, it is but it, it is. could get worse and the question is where do we go from here well, so the, you know, if Franklin didn't already put so much emphasis on a one and no mentality, I'd be like, hey, one and no mentality this week. You know, you go play your opponent. This well, yeah. Week, get ready. I mean, what else like, can you well, do? Well, he also said Maryland, Maryland, Maryland Saturday morning with the one and no attached to that tweet, and it's like. Oh my gosh, Maryland trolled us after that. Yeah, that feels with, like going through the motions these days, doesn't it? It does. It does feel like going through the motions. Stop with the motions. Like, if it's not producing results, stop it. Like, get out of the rut. Like, I mean, the one and no mentality is fine to have, but if it's your identity right now and you're, and you don't, and it's not working, get away from it. Get away, get, distance yourself. From these things that aren't your team's not responding to, you know, get th that process. That, that's part of James Franklin's process is saying is tweeting one or no every, you know, one or no every week. Well, and it's not just the tweet; it's what he says to the players, right? So, I mean, yeah. I, just say, like to me, like the tweeting is whatever, but like, like that's sort of his approach with the players, and that approach. Although I think you're right, like that's sort of fundamentally how you need to be able to approach it this week. The the saying of it is has become background noise. It doesn't. It's it seems to be meaningless to this team. So to, you know, I think changing that um, that mantra, perhaps even if he doesn't change the way he tweets, although that would be a helpful signal too. Like getting in. Uh, you know, into the team's head that, that things are, need to change, you know, by, you know, change that process, change that mentality, change the language. Um, yeah. One and O approach is not probably the thing to do this week, even though it might be the right, you know, bottom line, the way you need to, to think about it, that that's not going to get through to the team. I don't think it, it doesn't feel that way. And maybe Franklin yeah. thinks differently. Maybe he'll just keep going with his process until, until we find rock bottom. But I, my, my personal opinion is this process has got to change for this team this year. If, if, if for just this year, even, you know, until you find the identity of this team, this offense has no identity. The defense has no identity. The special teams, which we thought was going to be a strength, like Pinnaker is, is missed one field goal all of last year. And he has missed two or three, four this year. I, I don't even know, but it's just, uh, the identity from last year is is no more. It, there is no identity yeah. that is carried through to this year. There's a there's a truism that uh, again is shared in leadership circles. It says uh, the system uh, you have is perfectly designed to get the results you're seeing. Yeah, and yeah. and the idea is that like, look, if you don't like the results then you've got to do something to change the system if you want to get a different result. And so, yeah, again, I think, you know, for one reason or another, maybe it's circumstances, maybe it's players, um, maybe it's something else, the, this system, this process is not working. And, you know, you've got to make some sort of fundamental structural changes, uh, whether it's in personnel or whether it's in the way you approach things or whatever, 
um, to get this team uh, out of the rut. I mean, you just you want to see the guys having some fun with the playing football, and I did not see any bit of that, not a once. On well, you got to show up to play the game. You got to show up to play the game right off the right out of the gate. You know, we're not we're not Joe Moorhead's Trace McSorley's. Um, you know, come from behind kids in the second half. Like that 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 identity, first of all, was an anomaly. But if you, I mean, if for most football teams, 95% of football teams, if you don't show up in the first half, you're probably not going to win the second half or, or the game rather. Yeah. So it's like, <laughs> yeah. So, so, you know, obviously something that, that can get the team to, to play from, from the, you know, from the starting whistle, I think is, is really, really essential. But I think even probably more fundamental than that in terms of where do we go from here is, is I do think a lot of this falls on the shoulders of the players themselves that, that this team has got to come together. They have to start playing as a unit to trust each other, to, uh, to have fun together, to, you, you know, and again, how do you do that? Where is the spark going to come from? Who's going to bring it together? Um, what pieces need to shift around? I don't know how much of the, is the responsibility of the coaches and James Franklin and how much of it is the responsibility of each of the, the players themselves. I, I think everybody's just got to take personal responsibility at this point because there's no there's no way you can point to just one single person. But, I, yeah, but like, again, it's not necessarily everybody doing their own individual job better. It, it, there's something about the coming together that needs to happen. And again, I, I don't know where or how that happens, but but in order to move on in a positive fashion, something's got to happen in terms of team cohesion. Yeah, I, I would have never thought in a thousand years going into this season that we'd be sitting here at 0-3 discussing these things that we're discussing. And, and I, I forget if I mentioned this at the beginning of this episode or not, but... You know, at one point I was asked this, this, you know, before back when we weren't going to have a season. And I'm pretty sure I mentioned this in a previous podcast. You know, my friends were like, hey, would you rather have a three game season in which you lose all your games or no season at all? And I said, I would rather have a season with which we have three games and I get to watch my team play three games, even if we lose all of those games. Got and your wish, I get, bro. I got, I mean, <laughs> got your not, wish. it was not a wish. It was not a wish. <laughs> you jinxed it, man. It's, I mean, maybe it, you're I did. the cause of the bad mojo. You can put it all on me. Yeah. <laughs> I blame um, you. So, I, but still, it's like, you know, in, in my life um, and in life in general for a lot of people, you know, the. <laughs> Some of the greatest lessons in life have come from some of the worst times in life. And some of the greatest motivators in life have come from some of the worst situations in life. It's absolutely and, true, by the way. Yeah. Adversity you is the true um, teacher catalyst for, for yeah. personal growth. Absolutely true. Yeah, no. The silver spoon doesn't lead to a well-rounded individual or a or the best performing individual. You know, you just you when you're handed something and and you get to to remain at at the top at all times, it's it doesn't taste as good once you once you once you you know you're, you're successful. It doesn't like it's sweeter when and I'm, again I'm not I'm not <laughs> trying to say I want to be at rock bottom before I get there, but I am just saying. That it that when you do find rock bottom, you can only go up, and you and you know great things have the ability to come from those 
you know, m- those high, high adverse situations. And we're, we're approaching that, 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 you know, extreme adversity m- moment here for this team and this, you know, this coaching staff and yeah, I think, I think the real, the real shocker is that, you know, we all expected as did uh, the team that this was going to be possibly a year that Penn state really competed for the big 10 championship and, and the, and the college playoff. And it could not be further from the truth, but I, I agree with you that, you know, this is the opportunity perhaps of the rest of the season is to do the do the work that will get us there in the future, um, and uh, that there's real growth that could happen here if the if the team, if Franklin, if the coaches um, decide to, to to take it uh, to take that opportunity. You know, will they do it? You know, with the fan base uh, along for the ride or shouting in their face. Um, you know, that remains to be seen. I mean, it is interesting that with that, you know. These fans or these players don't even get to hear the boos on during the game. That's true. <laughs> you know? That's true. Maybe that's like, a good well, thing. <laughs> I don't know. That's an interesting angle. Is is like to to be performing so bad, you know? Like yes, you're on television, but but in the moment, you don't have anybody booing you. <laughs> I'm not saying we should be booing. Them. Yeah, like you and me. I'm not we don't ha- we, we don't should... hear any of the boos that people. Yeah. You know, it's just like we assume. No, I do. I do. Do you? <laughs> no, in your own. There's people outside your window gathering. Yeah, like yeah. Shame I pay you. them. It's it's good motivation. Yeah. Um, so I think this team has to come together. You know, that's that's the real hope. I think Franklin, um, his responsibility is to make enough of a change behind the scenes to sort of jar something loose and to, you know, I, I mean, to me, uh, the, one of the big questions and problems and challenges with leadership, you realize at a certain point, you can actually do nothing to control another human being. Right. You can't, you can't control someone right. else. So, so how do you motivate someone? How do you lead someone? How do you, how do you cause someone to do something that they're unwilling uh, or unmotivated to do? And like when all these factors conspire against you, it becomes that much more difficult. It's a real, real, you know, what, what can you do as a leader? What acts can you take? What behavior can you exhibit that will cause a shift in not just an, another person, but a human community around you? It, you know, there are people who've dedicated their whole lives to studying uh, that question, and there's not a good, easy answer for it. But that's where James Franklin is right now, right? How does he, what can he possibly do that can cause enough of a shift to unlock whatever has been stuck in this team? Uh, you know, it's, Possibly going to make a great case study for leadership someday, but right now we really don't know how it's going to turn out. Well, it's just interesting. I keep coming back to this idea that like a, a lot of the fans um, are are clamoring already about this whole like you know fire Franklin business, and it, we've been here with Franklin before in, in the fire Franklin business, and it's like, are we a step away from from hearing of another vote of confidence from, <laughs> uh, you know, what happens if we lose next week, you know, to Nebraska this week to Nebraska, or and then the following week and the following week, like those, those that will only get louder and louder and louder. And I'll just but, say, but you know, but you know, so back before Joe Paterno ever won a national title, he was he was getting you know the fans clamoring for him to be fired because they were sick of his, you know, two yards, three yards in a cloud of dust kind of stuff. 
but you know the university held strong to their their belief that this was the correct coach for for Penn State and and it it wasn't like Joe won a national title every year he only won two national titles but he had you know he he created quite the culture at Penn State and and one thing that James Franklin is definitely doing is you know he's he's more than just an you know an X's and O's guy and other people would you know make the claim that he's not even an X's and O's guy but you know he's he has created a positive culture at at Penn State and that's not that's not something that should be overlooked here when it comes to you know what we as Penn State fans want from our team is of course yes wins over losses but you know name find me one Penn, find me one Penn State player who would rather have gone to Ohio State and 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 had all the the pedigree and had all the accolades and had all you know find me one Penn State player alum that would rather have gone to Alabama you know I, you just don't hear these amazing stories about you know Alabama players and Ohio State players like you do from the character types of guys you, that we that you know produce here at Penn Penn State you know you just it's a different it's a different culture it's a different family it's a different way of going about um, being a fan and and if we just want to um, devolve to the 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 you know lowest common denominator of just wins and losses then go be a fan of one of those teams or go, go, go be a fan of just your NFL team. You know, it, it's not easy to be a fan of, you know, a team during their, the, you know, a winless stretch. We had to endure it during the dark years of Joe Paterno, but guess what? Joe Paterno then still produced great seasons for Penn state. Even after that. Well, so, it remains to be seen whether James Franklin, uh, obviously will but- have a, have a, have a legacy, uh, similar to that of Joe Paterno. But I think your point is well uh, taken. And um, again, you know, I think it goes back that is a very good point about, you know, th- this Penn State football team has a has a legacy of being something that's about more than only wins and losses, as important as wins and losses are. And that I, that core of that identity, in some ways, it feels like we're, we've lost connection with that for one reason or another right now. And, um, you know, getting back to the Groundhog Day theme, right, it's, it's, it's having our, our faith in, in ourselves, our faith in our coaches, our faith in our teammates restored, that love of life, that love of the game. I think that, that you know, somehow that's got to be rediscovered by this team if they're going to get out of the groundhog day. Otherwise, I think it's until we see that shift, I, I you know, I think we just have to be prepared as a as a Penn State fan base that every game from here on out, we we really run the risk of of you know, losing those games and seeing the cycle repeat itself. It's not going to be the ta- on the tactical level. It's going to be on that sort of deeper level that this team's going to find its way forward. And, and, and that's what I, that's what I think we got to hope for. And, and um, that's what I think I'm, I'm looking, looking to see. Um, now yeah, I will be... take a, I will take a bad win at this point, <laughs> but I think the structural fundamental changes is what, you know, have been revealed as wrong with this team. And, and that's, what's gotta, gotta be corrected. We are now officially in a wait and see yeah. situation here with the rest of the season, and um, 
uh, not there's no gimmies the rest of the season, including Rutgers. There's certainly no no gimmies at all. Yeah, yeah. So you know the the pressure's on. So this team better recognize. Yeah, the pressure's that. on. Um, that could be good and that can be bad, but but you know that that shift underneath. You know we'll look for signs for that coming coming in. And and I, I'm more I'm more emotionally prepared for it right now today than I was before the Maryland game. Well, started. and I think, you know, and I think <laughs> after Ohio State, way. you can say, okay, look, well, you had the first game loss, you know, rust or whatever you, you want to call it. Second game, the number three team in the country, apparently yeah, still. There was a couple of excuses you could right. you could lay out there. But now after Maryland, you can't say, you can't say there's no excuses other than something's really, really wrong with this and team. And there literally weren't, like, there was nothing... Like there was no, there, there's no silver lining from, there, from you can't, Maryland game. You can't find there's it. Only, there, the, maybe the only silver lining from the actual performance on the field is that like, okay, yeah, Jahan Dotson, he's legit still. But I mean, Clifford threw the ball 57 times, which is two more than the most attempts in Penn State football history. Just, and the dude was making... You know, a third of his like his passes were completions at one point. It was terrible. I mean, under fifty really percent by the end of the game completion rate, I think. But it was know, under thirty three percent at one point. I know it was really, really <laughs> was bad. bad. Um, you know, the uh, you could say, hey, the defense held Maryland in the second half, but again, I think Maryland they didn't didn't yeah, try. Blood off the gas. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they, they didn't totally have to. Did. They didn't have to try hardly at all. So you know, it was they had their way with us. They're in the just first really half. there's. I mean. The pieces are there for this team to have success, but the pieces haven't come together. And that again, I think that's where we need to to focus our our, our sense of analysis. And that's what we've done. You don't it's think crazy to me? It's crazy to me that, and I know that we've lost Journey Brown and we've lost Noah Kane. It's just crazy to me that we literally have no. There hasn't been anything that would suggest that we know how to run the RPO. Well, look, we're you know we get down this inside path. Inside zone RPO is just like it's worse than Joe Pa's cloud of dust crap. I just <laughs> you know at this point we're we're start now getting into sort of the nitpicking and and stuff. And we Aww, said that's what we weren't going to do. <laughs> and, you know, I, I think we've sort of talked through some of the big the big issues as as far as we can here, and um, I, you know probably is just as good a, a place as any to stop. Um, what we're going to do, guys... Go if, back to our fetal positions. Yes, we're going to go back to our fetal positions. But um, sometime over the next couple of days, Tom and I are going to put together our thoughts for the Nebraska game coming up. Um, look for that to drop sometime on Thursday, okay? Um, we really do appreciate you all sticking with us. Um, we're, we're Tom and I are not Fairweather fans, okay? We have been with this team as long as we can remember, and, and that's going to continue for us. So we'll be here. Uh, we thank you for sticking with us. We will get through this together, um, and uh, we'll sign off today like, like we have throughout this podcast, which is... It always starts with I love you. And it ends with I love you. It always starts with I love you. It always ends with I love you. Love you, bro. Love you. And uh, love, the, love, love the team. Love the fans. Love, love our coaches. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be in their corner as, as best I can be moving forward because they, they're the ones actually putting the work in. Again, closer <laughs> look at the Nebraska game in a couple days uh, for our Blue and White Brothers fan base. Talk to you in a couple days. Thanks for listening to the Blue and White Brothers. Join us next time for another great episode about Penn State football. 
Want to make sure you don't miss an episode? Be sure to hit subscribe before you go. And if you enjoyed the show, please don't hesitate to give us a five-star review with overwhelming words of adulation and praise. 